listening to the quarter to three movie podcast for a cabin in the woods i'm here this week with christian mirzinsk christian mirzinsk and strauss fat or honey toes (laughs) and with a tagline maybe for this week kelly wan do you have anything for us the uh, cabin in the woods first off fucktard and the catchphrase is stoners have all the answers they just start with uh and end with huh guys Uh, I know a couple of reasons Kelly Wan liked this movie, and we'll get into that in a moment Uh, so as usual if you have not seen A Cabin in the Woods we're going to run you off in a second it's The Cabins in the Wood If you haven't seen The Wooden Cabins, uh, then stick around. We will tell you before we get into spoilers. But before we do that, it's now safe, by the way. Uh, Dingus, while it's safe, why don't you tell folks a little bit about what we saw this week and what it is? Well, according to Kelly, this week we saw The uh, Cabin in the Woods. (laughs) A 2012 American filmed in Canada horror thriller movie. Thank you. Backing me up. That's right. I got your back, Canada. Um, Anyway, it's a horror thriller movie about some friends getting away for the weekend at a remote cabin. Hmm. Uh, The movie was directed by Drew Goddard and written by Drew Goddard and Joss Whedon. It stars Bradley Whitford, Richard Jenkins, Kristen Connolly, Fran Kranz, Anna Hutchison, Jesse Williams, and Chris Pine. The hold, on, hold on a second. Hold on a second. Wait, wait. I didn't. I did not hear a trill from Kelly Wand. I was expecting one at least For after Chris, Chris Pine. Pine. At least. So, do we need to do that again, Kelly Wand? Was that? Uh, are, are you good? Uh, Chris Pine. <laughs> okay. I'm sorry, Dingus. I, I cut you off. So carry on, Dingus. That's totally worth it. That's quite. As long as that's your only objection that's to me, it. including Chris Pine. That's fine. All right, so The Cabin in the Woods is rated R for strong, bloody horror violence and Mm. gore, Mm. language, drug use, and some sexuality slash nudity. Mm. (laughs) Uh, There's always one at the end that's funny. (laughs) I noticed the language was not pervasive. It was throughout. There was no language throughout. It was just language. language This, This language would occasionally cease. Yeah. So. Mm-hmm. Yep. Then it's then you're, the less language there is, the more the younger you can watch it at. So, uh, Cabin in the Woods was uh, had a respectable fifteen million dollar opening. Oh. Uh, it's nothing to sneeze at. It, it came in third place though after freaking Three Stooges. Oh. Yeah, I don't know how I feel about that being beat oh, by Three America. Stooges. America. Yeah, yeah. And Canada, I'm sure they had a part in it. No, I'm not convinced. Um, it's uh, currently at on Metacritic, which measures. Just don't get that stuff. That's French. You're yes. right. Yeah, yeah. That's, they're, they're busy with their Jerry Lewis and whatnot. Uh, <laughs> so on Metacritic, which measures the uh, overall rating, the average rating that it got in reviews that use numerical ratings, and Metacritic Cabin in the Woods is currently at seventy-two percent. 
doesn't seem so hot. But then you look at Rotten Tomatoes. And Kelly Wan, last week you were asking about uh, what's the difference, what does it matter. Here I think is a, is a case where you can see a clear difference. So if you look at the average rating, it's 72% on, on Metacritic. But on Rotten Tomatoes, 92% of the reviews are positive. So even oh. though maybe folks weren't crazy about this, overall, everybody liked it. This is, this is a tough movie to, to dislike. There weren't a lot of negative reviews. Only wait, wait. 8% of the reviews were negative. Say that thing again? Only, what's the difference? So, so. <laughs> Kelly, I love you, but you are so high. <laughs> These numbers make sense to people not, not uh, smoking weed. All Kelly right. Wand, are you even listening? I thought I, I just, it's just too much math. Too many numbers. You can't trust the Canadians. I understand. At any rate, the point being, uh, it's not a, necessarily a, it's not an exact science it's not an exact science it's a fine art but i think 92 percent on rotten tomatoes is, is a pretty darn good thing that's right up there with uh i don't, I don't know extremely loud and dangerously close what was that at <laughs> i don't know actually i don't think that did well i was i was uh, i'm trying to think of something that everybody liked that we hated um crash there you go i'm sure it's right up there with crash we um, like the fountain and everyone hated it no, nobody hate. Are you serious? Nobody hated the Everyone fountain. What's the matter with you? No, we're the only three people that like the fountain. I'm telling you. You don't. Eddie Aronofsky watches it and goes, eh, I don't know. Those <laughs> those podcasters are fucking idiots. <laughs> uh, so let's see. Before we get, uh, so actually, no, we are ready to get into uh, spoilers. Um, this one of the 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 canny aspects of the marketing of this was that they made it clear that, hey, don't listen to spoilers. You know, there's something really weird and different going on here. Like, I think they did a good job of getting out the message that, uh, what is the tagline even? that The official tagline, I think, is uh, something like, you think you know the story, but you don't. Hmm. Is that right? I don't know, but even looking at the poster was too much for me. See, I liked the poster. I liked how the poster made it clear that, hey, it's a haunted house, but wait a minute, what's the deal with the whole puzzle aspect? Um, but you're I, right, love the, this, I love the poster, but uh, but just looking at it made me go, oh, I don't want to see that yet. Yeah, this would be a great one to just have someone sit down and watch and just think they're watching a horror movie. Although the first scene does kind of screw that up. But you know what? We'll, we'll get to that in a minute. Kelly Wand. Um, yes. Woods are like an arboreal puzzle, if you think about it. I've never heard of an arboreal puzzle. What is that? Uh, go back to what you're saying. I don't want to uh, talk anymore about arboreal puzzles. I kind of want to hear about these arboreal puzzles. No, all right. That's it means all outer right. space. King's Bounty, the Elf Island had some arboreal puzzles. Oh, Kelly wants talking about video games. Interesting. Uh, well, you know what? Let's get into that because yeah. parts of A Cabin in the Woods that reminded me of a video game. Let's get into that later. But first, Kelly Wand, why don't you make sure that people who haven't seen the movie now have it entirely spoiled for them? Why don't you give away every plot point and explain what happens and just go ahead and ruin it? Oh, you want to hear the synopsis? Yeah, rock and roll. What are we calling it this week? Cabin in the Whoopsis. Whoopsis. I like the sound of that. Okay, hit us with it. Kelly Wand, rock and roll. Whitley Stryber and Richard Jenkins work based on the dune buggy they drive down a hallway and how much they talk about coffee machines for the government. But they also represent the Hollywood system that produced this movie but sat on it for a couple of years due to bankruptcies. And hindsighted uncertainty whether to slap 3D on it. <clears throat> really? Yay, I said the sentence. I was just excited I got that out at all. Uh Weird, since satire is usually such the kiss of good luck. <laughs> Meanwhile, some hot young people are about to go on spring break. 
not to Fort Lauderdale, but to that other even more ubiquitous and decadent rite of passage setting with plentiful alcohol sources and tropical bikini lines, a cabin in the woods. Like every clique of college-age young people in RL, these friends consist of a virgin, Thor, a stoner, a (laughs) slut, and a fifth guy. Seems like organically assembling groups like this would be harder than anything the government fabricates for the rest of this movie. The virgin's so innocent, she doesn't even notice she's not wearing pants, while Thor's been talking to her for ten minutes about some wolves she drew on her sketch pad. Loopy callback. <laughs> Berdinkus. Thor packs up his motorbike and shaggy his bong, and off they get into an RV. Off they get into an RV and drive to the woods. Where, based on a lot of stuff that happens in the movie, it appears there's only one cabin and one group of young people. A bird gets killed by some hexagons while they drive through a tunnel, because having birds in there would totally fuck up the plan and ambience, and it's safer to risk the patsies seeing the bird get fried by hexagons. The youthful archetypes encounter a crazy old man who warns them not to go meddling around at Uncle Stinky's Peanut Butter Wax Museum and Mannequins for Food or Pets door-to-door since 1957 LTD if they know it's good for them. (laughs) They tip him and continue on their way. Sometimes when I don't have a joke, I just synopsize, guys. (laughs) When they get to the cabin in the woods, the fifth guy realizes his mirror's one-way glass and he's watching the virgin take her top off. For some reason, he lets her know this a couple seconds early, and she thanks him for his disinterest in inventorying her M&Ms. She replaces the mirror with its usual triptych of foxes hunting British people. But then she discovers that it's actually a two-way mirror, and she's about to see the fifth guy do a puppet show with his junk. But then changes her mind and puts the foxes back up, but still doesn't tell the fifth guy that the mirror is somehow non-reflective on both sides, except for their reflections. I guess the wondering how that's possible kind of cancels out the wondering why the government put two-way glass in their rooms. Huh, guys? After the novelty of the usual party games, like Give the Stuffed Wolf's Head 69 and its downloadable expansion, Vague Stab at Characterization, lose their flavor, the teen anti-sleuths split up to investigate the haunted basement relics. Virgin wins by, before anyone else reads their relics that don't have words on them, reading from a diary written by a family of cannibal farmers who I guess actually lived in that area, along with the 37 other monsters that each have a corresponding curio in the same basement. The crime-fighting partygoers decide to split up after the government sprays some retardation antihistamine on Thor. Don't spray too much of that on Hunger Games director Gary Ross, or we might go back in time. Uh, so topical. <laughs> As I suspected from her sexy non-sequitur bit with the wolf, the slut character dies first, promptly after showing her boobs. This satisfies the requirements of an ancient ritual in accordance with Egyptian hieroglyphics, and her blood is poured into a subterranean wood carving of a slut character from ancient Sumeria. Although maybe it's not her actual blood, and which is also weird, because obviously she can't be Sumerian unless she's not a natural blonde. Meanwhile, Shaggy finds some wires and microphones in his room, which is surprising considering, A, the futuristic tech levels earlier suggested by the hexagons, and, two, that they'd pack the bedroom of the guy attending this event. 
sleeping stag with surveillance equipment. If the government wants to hear me masturbate, I should certainly hope they'd have the common decency to use a tapped phone receiver the way the Founding Fathers intended. Shaggy tries to share his suspicions in this vein, get it, with the rest, but gets ostensibly killed from behind by cannibal zombie farmers instead. If you think about it, being cannibalized when not in plane wreckage or a lifeboat is flattering. The fifth guy gets a pickaxe that I guess farmers use for mining corn ingots in their crop circle quarries in the back of the head after they forget to sweep the RV for cannibals. Cool line for Shaggy, I'd have contributed. Oh, I thought you said cannabis. Thor dies crashing his motorcycle into the rainbow bridge and then falling out of frame into water. Although Virgin also falls into water and doesn't die. But Virgin looks about to die from zombies on a pure jetty, so Whitley Stryber bursts out the tequila. Busts out the tequila. <laughs> uh, so untalented. But then the devil calls Richard Jenkins and tells them Shaggy's not dead after all, just baked. Plus, some schoolgirls in Japan put the rain chick into a frog, so now a lot hinges on the cabin and the woodsening being properly executed, as it were. Wait, so among the Japanese schoolgirls, there was a slut and a Thor and a stoner and a virgin? <laughs> some of those make sense. <laughs> mean fun. Shaggy and Virgin kill a zombie or two and ride a glass cube elevator down to the Pentagon. Along the way, they see a bunch of other monsters like the Elephant Man and Grover and Mrs. Columbo. And they also see a Merman, the wind from the happening, Weekend at Bernie, a Nazgul, that squirrel from YouTube, Taylor Lautner, God, Lucky Charms, the kid from Chronicle, the fat suit Mia Farrow warned Rosemary's Baby, and She-Hulk many of whom glass cubes probably wouldn't be ideal confinement for for various reasons. But satire is more about the journey. Though all the trained professionals get comically wasted by their former wards, Shaggy and Virgin craftily not die their way all the way down to Sigourney Weaver's office, where she tells them that Shaggy has to die, the Elder Gods will eat the universe and shit it out sometime during the following week. Virgin crunches the numbers and shoots Shaggy, but then after they get baked, wisely decide that the destruction of all mankind is a lesser evil, so they kick back and smoke out and wait for the end. As written of in Leviticus, it comes in the form of a giant CG arm like that one at the end of Dragnet. Dragnet, the TV series. That guy with the hammer. The end. <laughs> Thank you, Kelly Wan. Very nice. Uh, you know, hit and miss. That's how the movie is. I try to be fair to the material. If the material's spotty, then the synopsis is spotty on purpose. I'm just choosing to do that. Ah, the material is spotty. Interesting. Uh, well, you know what? Hold that thought. Uh Dingus, you don't know horror movies because you tend to be very afraid, so you only watch romantic comedies. So a lot of this was probably lost on you uh, because you're not like hip to horror movies like, like me and Kelly Wand. How confused were you throughout this movie? I think I saw the wrong movie. <laughs> ah, there is a porn version of Cabin in the Woods. What's the name of it, Kelly Wand? Uh, the Cabin in the Muff. <laughs> Wood in the cabin. <laughs> yeah, see, Dingus uh, Dingus won that exchange, Kelly Wan. Point to Dingus. The cab intercourse in the woods. Point still to Dingus. Right. Point still to Dingus. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, but so, Dingus, not... so, so this is clearly a, a deconstruction, a satire about horror movies. Uh, I know you are, uh, of the three of us, sort of the, the, you're like the junior member of the horror, of the quarter three horror movie fan club. 
Um, so how did you feel about it? Like, I've, in a way, I feel like you're not necessarily the target audience as much as me and Kelly Wand are. So I want to know first what you thought of this movie. I freaking loved it. What do you mean? Why am I not the target audience? No, you're not. You're not ready for certain horror movies yet. Like you're not ready for the the full Monty of horror. Uh, uh. <laughs> if you know what I mean. Uh, what certain, I think that was shame. Martyrs. <laughs> Martyrs would be like a full Monty. Uh, like, like you know, like horror movies that are like so grueling and so dire and bleak that you would only recommend them to your hardcore friends. I Maybe sat through the ordeal. Yeah, and I tried to. I tried to steer you away from that. So you're right. You're right. You're, you're earning your. You've gone from Cub Scout. You've gone from Weeblo to Cub Scout, and now you're like a fifth rank Boy Scout of horror movies, Dinkus. So I will grant you that. Um, but but I think though anybody who can appreciate a good sort of fiendishly clever deconstruction would appreciate Cabin in the Woods. So uh, fair enough, Kelly Wan. I want to know what's this about middling material? No, it's good. No, you said stick to your guns. You said you said you know. I was trying to get off. I was trying to say, wait, go on. What was I called? <laughs> you just said you were trying to get off. He just yeah. said he was trying to get off. You did say that. Uh, no, you. So, middling material. You were just being facetious because I, I think it's really smart. I loved this movie as well, and I, I I suspected all three of us would. But if Kelly Wan, if you want to take issue, I I would love to hear. No, no, I said spotty, but. I love this movie. I thought the most of all of us. I'm by spotty, I mean spotty, awesome. You know what? I'll fight you for that. Loved it most of all of us. I'll, 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 I'll throw down with you on that one. I was clapping in the middle of this movie. How dare you? I was calling lines as they came up. But you, what? How could you do that? Because yeah. I saw a line coming up, and then I started cheering to myself, and the people next to me are like, "What is up with this guy?" I'm so excited uh, about this year. I don't know the There's that. so many movies I love already. This was this was a great one to see with an enthusiastic audience too, uh, like like this. Uh, a lot comes from seeing this with an appreciative crowd. Certainly, the crowd that I saw it with loved the stoner humor. Uh, there was a there was a a, a, a serious pot smoking contingency in my audience. Uh, you know, um, they very they, serious. They they clapped serious, and cheered. There was yeah. a serious Japanese contingent in my in my audience because they loved uh, those those. Uh, scenes of the floating ghosts they were cheering there was some there was a couple people clapping for the whole time that first shot of that (laughs) japanese floating ghost was going on like they're like i saw that movie (laughs) oh my god that's how they go to movies like what hey look something i saw yep Interesting. Uh, one of the things I like about it is how quickly it tips his hand. Of course, the opening scene, uh, you know you're not in a typical horror movie. I, I really appreciate that it didn't, uh, that it, it wasn't coy about what it was doing. You know, from that, that, that beginning scene where they're, they're talking about something that pretty much has nothing to do with any of the action you're about to see. It's just two working stiffs chatting. Uh, I love that. And then the fact that the title card is a jump scare. I mean, that right off the bat, that gets me on board. Uh, I, w- I was just so tickled at, at the way it opened and how it didn't try to pretend to be just a boring horror movie for a while. And, and what I really love about it is how it saw that through to the end. I mean, we've all seen movies that begin as satires of something and end up becoming that very thing. Uh, I think of like Galaxy Quest, for instance. You know, it's making fun of the earnest Star Trek sci-fi stuff, and then by the time it's over, it's also trying to have its cake and eat it too, and be an earnest sci-fi story and have redemption for its characters. 
Cabin in the Woods had none of that. And any time it started to veer towards that, like Bradley Whitford's speech about uh, it was going to be something about the resilience of the human spirit or whatever while he's watching the virgin struggle in the in the water. And then, hey, tequila. Like any time it started to veer towards buying into, like, like taking itself seriously, it pulled back. And I loved that about it. It never became what it was making fun of. All the way to the end. The All opposite the- of a sellout ending. It's right. No yeah, redemption. Kelly Wan, you and I hate redemption in our endings, uh, and yeah. we certainly didn't get that here. Yeah, It's the perfect movie, was what I meant by the spotty material. <laughs> I'd like to clarify. I'm going to use one of my quotes on the box. Okay. Perfect movie. By Kelly Wan. Good. I've got that written down. Uh, and I'm not a Joss Whedon apologist, either. I thought this was... Uh, I don't really know what a Joss Whedon movie means. Really, well, I mean, if like, you've seen Serenity and we're about yeah. to see... Uh, Feeling the, Resurrection. Is that a Joss Whedon movie? He wrote that? Yeah. Wow. Yo, take that. Wow. See? Uh, That's wait a minute. I can't apologize for a Toy Story. One? Really? The first one? Didn't he write the first one? I don't know. I he think you're thinking of, of Tom McCarthy. Yeah, I don't think it's I up. It's an ancient rival. Uh, well, the thing is, like a Joss Whedon movie, you're right. Like, what what is that? And we don't really know. He's he's had his fingers in so many pies. But I like to think of it. One of the things that I really enjoyed about this, and Kelly Wand, I know you'll you'll uh, you'll be able to appreciate this. Uh, Drew Goddard, the fellow who directed and co-wrote it with Joss Whedon, is one of the main guys. He's one of the J.J. Abrams proteges, and he worked with Joss Whedon. But he became near near the end of Lost's run, he became one of the primary creative forces on Lost. Um, So one of the things that I really liked about this movie was how much it reminded, how much it accomplished what Lost was trying to do, but what it ultimately failed to do because of so many different directions it was going in, basically the demands of episodic TV. Lost is just a pile of, uh, it's this intricate little puzzle that just falls apart and nobody can bother to give it a solution. Uh, it's, it's junk. It's a piece of junk. It's a bauble. It didn't um, have to be, though. And they kept swearing it wasn't. So we well, I, I think it did have to. I, I mean, I really think that, uh, as a uh, fellow named Ken Levine has once said, episodic TV will break your heart. And I think he even said that of, of Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Uh, episodic TV is an evil medium, and it will almost always destroy what it's presenting, I feel. The wire's uh, good. Breaking Bad's good. There are exceptions. There are exceptions. Maybe, uh, yeah, there are certainly exceptions. But for the most part, I feel episodic TV destroys uh, a lot of what it's trying to present. However, a lot of what Lost was trying to do works just great in this 90-minute mystery. You know, you're watching Cabin in the Woods, and there's this mystery about, hey, what is this mysterious agenda that this corporation has, and what's what are all these little uh, these little trinkets that they've found, and what what's this control room doing, and what's the ultimate objective? When you've got a 90-minute package, you can solve that mystery and give it a great payoff. You don't have to fill it with junk about Kate's tortured past and is Ben really betraying them or not, and you, you don't need six years of filler. You get a concise 90-minute package. You don't even really mess with character development. I mean, the fact that the characters were a stereotype in this was was an asset. It wasn't a liability. That was the point of the movie. Um, So I felt like a lot of what Lost was trying to do with this long, turgid, drawn-out, ungratifying mystery, Drew Goddard was able to pack into this really cool 90-minute puzzle. Uh, And that's one of the things that I loved about it. Yeah, that's exactly what I loved about it, too, because... Um, 
I love a movie that at the beginning, and again, I don't watch trailers. I didn't have any idea of what I was going to see. But from those early moments when these two guys are talking about hormonal issues and having a baby, and then somebody uh, from, oh, what's her name, Amy Acker, I think, um, comes up yeah. and starts talking about, oh, well, what about Sweden and what about Japan? All of a sudden, I, I realize there's another level here, and, I, and I'm immediately going, what is going on? What the fuck is going on? And so that keeps happening in this movie. What's going on? And uh, and then it goes into, like, it's two-layered ideas. And, I mean, I just keep going, what is going on? And I love going through that when I'm watching a movie. And, Dingus, the sensation of watching Lost, which you didn't have to deal with, is six years of going, what is going on, and never being told. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and being told that you're going to be told. Yeah, they'll lie to you, of course, to get you to watch. Uh, well, with, but, a, with that kind of show, they're they're just constantly shoveling coal into a furnace, and, and it's that's cold, really yeah. difficult. Yeah, I mean, it's they, difficult uh, for writers to have to do that week after week, and and they have to come up with a lot of crap when they do that. Nah, it doesn't have to do that way. They blew they blew the play, blew the big game, failure. Well, they can't Minus. afford. I, I don't think they can afford to write that that many, uh, that much of an arc. Like not the way like I don't know. Babylon 5 or something writes an arc. You, you can't write that kind of an arc if you can't afford it. And I don't know that something like Lost expects that they're going to be on for that many years, so they can't be prepared for that, but they have to keep shoveling coal into the maw. Kelly Wand, do you uh. believe for one second that Dingus has seen Babylon 5? Uh, he he whipped it out awfully sneakily. It sounds like something he practiced how to say before he actually showed up. Like I think that's one that he's been... Storing in the chamber, as it were, just just he's using to... it as an example of not what he's talking about too. Like, you can't do an art like Babylon Five did. <laughs> Is that what he just said? I think I think he studied how to say it phonetically and uh, and and just rolled that one out. But well played, Dingus. That was convincing. I, yeah, I... that was great. That's a good point. Well said. <laughs> Babylon Five, bro. Full on. Uh, so let's talk about the cast. Uh, of course, Richard Jenkins and Bradley Whitford. Uh, it's just so, you know, these kinds of movies are so often, and I watch so many of these stupid horror movies, and they're so often just young, pretty, dumb, talentless people, and they're so annoying, and you're so happy when they get killed. I love, one of the things that I love about Armageddon, which again, crappy movie, but you have Billy Bob Thornton almost as like a narrator, like he's he's in the control room and he do, he gives it the gravity. You know, he kind of is uh, the, the anchor for Armageddon. Hey, very good, Kelly Wand. Yeah. <laughs> so, so there's a little bit of that going on here with uh, Richard Jenkins and Bradley Whitford, both of whom I adore. I don't know Bradley Whitford as well as I know Richard Jenkins stuff, but I just loved being able to cut back and forth to these annoying young kids who, who actually were quite good and uh, Bradley Whitford and Richard Jenkins. I loved that contrast. Um, well, and was, it's their such, such a pleasure. Go ahead, Kellen. Just like, like uh, Thor turns out to be like a physics major or something, so that's why they have to use the spray. Like they have, like I made fun of it in the synopsis, but there are they cheat the angles for Joe. I mean, it's it's all clearly thought out. Right. Exactly. That's it's not like bland. That, right. Right. That's like why even the stereotypes. You know, there's a reason for that. There's a you know that's explained. That's part of the joke, like you say. Exactly. Uh, yeah. Does anything suck about it? I remember wondering the first time if when they're making fun of the old man on the on the answering machine <laughs> on the speakerphone, right? Right. Yeah, I, I'm not sure if that's good or not. I keep going back and forth. Like, uh, I will say yeah. that it is good. 
So go ahead. Okay. I mean, the thing is, like, it it doesn't uh, it doesn't really take much time to uh, and and we talk this way about characters in movies sometimes. It doesn't take that much time to to breathe and let the characters be with the dumb kids, uh, which is fine. Uh, but what it does is it does that a couple of moments with Bradley Whitford and and Richard Jenkins, and part of that is the joke about the speakerphone, the opening bits. Um, Bradley Whitford's jokes about the merman. Like, in a way, they're way more defined characters than any of the kids who are just, like, drugged and stupid for, for plot contrivance reasons. Um, Not all of them. Well, well exactly. And, and again, that comes to something that I knew you would appreciate, Kelly Wand, is the stoner saving the day. Yes. Yeah, what's the government? <laughs> and does. the undead. And the universe. Well, and the thing is, again, this whole idea of, you know, the stoner kid with the uh, that sort of subversive anti-society rant, you know, that he ends up being correct. And not only that is he correct, but he does, like you say, in the universe. I mean, he basically brings all of civilization, humanity to a, to a halt, uh, yeah. you know, letting someone else have a shot. Yeah. And he gets her. I really fell for that girl, that Kristen Connolly character. So what are these people from? So we know Chris Pine is now Thor. Uh, <laughs> except it's not Chris Pine. Kelly Wand, you've... Uh, Dingus, I, that which was your one of you did that? No, that was Dingus' Oh, no, it was thing. Dingus. Yeah, I can't believe Dingus... Uh, I did it. Yeah, well, Dingus was well, weirder than I was. I know, I had to think about it. Like, I was now thinking, wait a minute, Chris Pine didn't play Thor. He was in Star Trek. So He was in Babylon 5, too. So Dingus, Dingus, Dingus is way too smart for us, Kelly Wand. He doesn't even need to say anything, and he still wins. <laughs> so, like, Dingus, who did you recognize from this? You mentioned that Amy Ackerman check. She's the uh, woman Acker- who... Not Forrest J. Ackerman. And what, what's she from? Uh, she's uh, from a, a, a television show called Dollhouse. Ah, another Joss Whedon joint. And I hear, isn't Fran Kranz, isn't that the stoner guy? Isn't he also yeah. from Dollhouse? Yes. Okay. Yeah. yeah. As is the pickaxe and the head guy. He's another uh, alumnus. Oh, the the fifth guy is also from Dollhouse. Yeah. Good lord! All right. Well, then that's a lot of cast members there. Uh, Bradley Whitford. I don't know if you guys know this. He's from West Wing. Yeah, he's your former co-star. God, it was such a pleasure to see him again. I love. I just love watching that guy do dialogue. I I, I just huh. love the way he says words. I love. I'm a, I'm a huge fan of the West Wing and. And this is a show I can watch over and over again. I mean, it's total liberal porn. I realize that. But I just love the way that guy says words. <laughs> and, and getting to see him say some more words. Ah, I'm so pleased. Dingus, more than anything else, I want this moment to end. <laughs> um, the, the other guy I recognized was the dude who played Truman. Uh, who's, the, who's the guy who's their security guy in... Oh, yeah, yeah. Why do I know Earth. him? His, his name is Brian White, and he's the dude that... Um, that's in brick that uh, that um, gets beat up that that has to, that's the football guy the football douche. Wow, because I totally remember his face. Like I recognize that guy right off the bat, but I, I guess it is from from brick then. Okay. And which I didn't even. This is totally off the wall, and I I don't watch uh, trailers, but I looked up at the very last part of a trailer during this, and there's another. Ryan, uh, what's his name, movie coming up? Ryan Johnson, Looper with uh, Joseph Gordon-Levitt comes out in September, though. So we're wow. going to have many more months of not watching trailers for that. Right. Never mind. Yeah. But anyway, I recognize that guy. Yeah. Uh, I didn't recognize any of the any of the TV. I mean, a lot of them are just, I don't say, just as, I don't mean to be dismissive. A lot of them are TV actors that, that got 
uh, recruited into this, and they're perfect for those roles. Like like Bradley Whitford. Not like Bradley Whitford. <laughs> uh, <laughs> well done. Well done. Nicely done. Uh, okay, so what uh, what did you guys think of? Did did it remind you of any other movies we've seen recently? Yes. Like what? I thought the moment, uh, not only the the hexagonal moment that Kelly Wine brought up, but but when um, is it Marty? Is it Marty? Friend? Yeah, not not seeing the stars. Yeah, when he goes out and doesn't see the stars, that just it, it just made me think. And then I thought this throughout as they went inside how. This movie does everything, and it's such a great rebuke to the Hunger Games. Yeah, even oh. down, with, down to Sigourney Weaver's thing about the punishment of youth. You, you know, that's what you're being punished for for being young. Uh, you know, why, why couldn't the Hunger Games not suck that much? I just, I just felt so much more because it's for kids. Things for kids have to suck. That's mm. the rule. I but disagree it, with that. But, you know, somebody, somebody in some thread somewhere said something about you have to you have to evaluate the movie based on who it's for and i just i just thought about something tom said i can't remember what podcast but he just was saying that, that there are good movies made for kids and this is not one of them and that's what the, the hunger games is just so, such a chintzy example of that and this movie it, i don't know if 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 when they were scheduling these things they they saw that uh but this this really paralleled the Hunger Games in a lot of ways for me, and I just thought it was so, so much better. Kelly Wand, what was the delay with this? You mentioned uh, like, like they were seriously considering doing a post-processing 3D thing yeah. for the... Oh, good Lord. For wow. a year. And then it was hung up. Uh, same things that hung up The Hobbit and James Bond. It's a lot of money stuff. Oh, it, was, it, was, it was already done. It was already it was practically done. And they still, it was more of a 3D thing, apparently. Right. Well, I'm glad they didn't do the 3D thing. Uh, yeah, I don't think there's not much 3D in it. There know. are a couple of moments I where I thought, oh, that's that feels like a thrusty 3D thing. But it's it was like two years ago though when everything was going to be in 3D for half a second, and then Clash Titans came out and people went, all right, you know what? <laughs> Never mind. Yeah, forget right. it. Right. I'm not paying 15 bucks for this shit. Uh, I do worry, not worry, but I, I. I... I, I think it'll be fine because I think of something like um, there's that awful horror movie called Insidious, um, which has nobody famous in it. It's not any good. It's not very smart, but it made just as much money on its opening weekend as Cabin in the Woods. Uh, it ended up being a big success. I'm hoping that works for Cabin in the Woods. And I think it's got I think they did a really good job marketing it. I know when I first heard about it, I was and I actually unfortunately knew more than I should have known. I was worried that. There was no way you could sell this because there's no one famous in it. I think they're doing a good job sort of hitching it to Joss Whedon's name. Uh, like we mentioned the poster. I love the poster. I love the tagline. So I think considering they're doing a great job marketing it, and I'm hoping it gets good word of mouth. Uh, I can see this, of course, being a huge cult hit, but uh, I hope it catches in well at the box office. 15 mil's not bad. It's not bad at all. It's you know, it's a horror movie, and uh, I just I really wanted it to beat the stupid. I, I, I say stupid. I don't know. Maybe the Three Stooges movie is awesome, but I really <laughs> wanted it to do better than the Three Stooges on its opening. What's weekend. that thing rated? Gee, That's a good point, Kelly Wan. You know what? This is what you get for being committed to being an R rating. I mean, I could in a way. I I, I can't help but wonder: was anyone at Lionsgate? 
pushing for a PG-13? And if so, I am so glad that person did not get his or her way. No, for Cabin in the Woods. Because I can see an argument to be made. Hey, look, guys, if we cut out uh, some of the blood, if we cut out the topless scene, uh, we can get a PG-13. We can make X additional dollars. You know, on our opening weekend. And that person has a good point, commercially speaking. Uh, but I really feel being such a nod to horror movies, this really needed to be as R rated as, as it was. Uh, so what happens know, like, when you have movie ratings? That that lobby scene, for instance, that that, oh, that was man. so freaking hilarious. And, and again, that's part of the beautiful payoff. You know, when when you see uh, Richard Jenkins referring to that big whiteboard, explaining to the woman, no, you have zombies. These are redneck torturing cannibal zombies. And your, your, your eye is naturally going down the list of wacky stuff. And you think, oh, that's great. That's a fun sight gag. You know, I'm going to pause the DVD when I get this. and I'm going to read all of those. But then later in the movie, you get to see all that stuff. I mean, that is such a delight. Uh, and I'm so glad it could be R-rated and play that lobby scene as ridiculously over the top as it was. I mean, that, that was so key. That was such a key part of the payoff is just how ridiculous that was. I loved that. You know, there were a couple of moments uh, when the guy would drag people with the bear trap or when Marty was first dragged away where I thought, why are they hiding the horror? They're still using all the language. And then we got to see the boobies. Um, I, I, there were there were moments where they're it's hiding so horror. I guess. <laughs> let's let's see some boobies. Um, that I was like, what? Are, why are they being coy about this? And then you get to that that scene you're talking about, Tom, with this phantasmagoria of just yeah. blood everywhere. Oh, I just was. I love how they built that, and I I just loved how as well we had a couple layers of suspense. I was rooting for these kids to get away in, in what they kept calling the van. And I was also rooting for Richard Jenkins to fix the cave thing. I love those. And, and I think that that level of R rating was necessary here. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you guys didn't see Paul, so right? Sequel. Oh, you can't do a sequel. I mean, this is kind of a, uh, well, you know, I guess you could play with it more. I, I don't know. Can you see Lionsgate maybe throwing the uh, a sequel to someone else, do a cheapy kind of thing like another? I, I don't know. What could they do? It would have to be a prequel, I know. of course. It would be the most... But it could no. be another... I, yeah, you can't. This is a one-off. This has got to be No, a this is definitive. You don't need another one. Come on, Dingus, but let's say it does Just well. Just use the same cast to do a kind of story. Like, do what they did with American Horror. horror maybe horror the, the guys who did Catfish <laughs> will be free. Hey, good oh. Why do you... That's not cool. That's not cool even saying it's fucking. Uh, okay, you're not allowed to say catfish. So, okay. Tom, you you loved um, a character, uh, a female actress who was in The Hunger Games. Yes, Isabella Furman. Yes. Uh, was, there a, was there a similar actress in this, uh, uh, on a similar level that you liked in this uh, show? What? Chris Connolly. Chris Connolly. Chris Connolly. I, I didn't recognize any. I don't. Let me think. Hold on. I don't think I recognized anyone, Dingus. What? Oh, yeah, I like Sigourney Weaver in that Alien movie. No, oh, good job. That's <laughs> Wait a minute, what do you have, uh, what, what did I miss? I, I think there's a corollary, because Patience Buckner was played by... What? Jadelle Furland. Oh, you know what, I think I did know that. That's right. Now, you couldn't tell under all the makeup. So Jadelle Furland uh, from Tideland, uh, from, I think she's in something ah. called Case, Case 39... Where she pones Bradley Cooper in a great scene. I think that's Jadelle Farland. Uh, no, yes, right. Right. so she was under all the the patient's uh, makeup and missing her arm. Good call, Dingus. And I was so I was so mad at him for kicking her over the edge too. 
<gasps> yeah, that's a terrible way to go. I jerk. think you should have at least apologized. <laughs> Uh, it, I, I want to spoil Paul for anyone listening, because uh, Paul is an awful movie. It's that terrible, um, oh, good Lord, what's the guy's name? The uh, the fellow from Mission Impossible yeah. 3, and uh, no, the non-Seth Rogen one, the, the Shaun of the Dead fella. Simon, Simon, Simon Pegg. Simon Pegg, right. Oh, good Simon Lord, thank Alf. you. So uh, Simon Pegg and Nick Frost are in this movie called Paul, and I'm just going to ruin it for you. If you're listening, don't see Paul. It's terrible. This will help you. The only... It's not even a redeeming value, but Paul also has a Sigourney Weaver cameo at the end where she ends up being the big bad person. So there you go. I've spoiled Paul. That's her new career. <laughs> there you go. Well, well, she had a voiceover before that, though. I mean, you know what? And I kind of wonder, like, I, who doesn't know her voice by now? Like, yeah, exactly. I that was kind of a. So there you go. There's your little flaw, Kelly Wand, is that they tip their Sigourney Weaver hand a little early. That's what happened with Babylon 5, too. <laughs> uh, I do want to say real quick, uh, a movie that it, re- that it reminded me of. Uh, and you know, maybe we'll make a segment of this every week. Uh, what movie? She was the bad girl. Yeah. No, no. So there's, there's a, this is a movie nobody's heard of. Uh, oh, cool. This sounds exciting. It, it, and it reminded me in a way. And here you go. Here, I have another flaw for you, Kelly Wand. Uh, yeah. So there's a movie called My Little Eye. Um and it's oh, yeah. have you heard of it? Yeah, isn't it British and it's like they're in a house and it's they're being spied on or something. How do you know about this, Kelly Wand? Uh some chick was trying to make me watch it. Oh. I just read the back of the DVD box and gave it away to garage sale. No, you should see it. So, so my little eye is um it, it's basically about it's the same kind of cabin in the woods setup where these people have to stay at a cabin in the woods and they're being it's a reality show. Um but it does something that I feel that cabin in the woods screwed up and this is a little nitpicky thing this is one of my little this is like when i am watching the news crawls or the news broadcasts on a tv on a bank of tvs in a movie and i'm like that's not realistic that's not realistic that doesn't work so anytime you see a movie where there is surveillance involved and every now and then the movie will show you the surveillance footage you know other characters watching the cameras watching the screens that show the cameras spying on our main characters um a lot of times it's cheaper and it's just easier for the director to just show on that screen footage that was shot for the movie. For instance, there are a lot of times in Cabin in the Woods where uh, Chris Pine, a.k.a. Uh, I can't even think of his real name. Uh, Hemsdale. Hemsworth. Liam, yeah, Liam Hemsworth's brother, cousin, whatever they are, uh, where he and the, the blonde chick are out in the woods and there are cameras that are supposed to be watching them. But there's also Drew Goddard shooting footage of them in the woods where we, the audience, are watching them. And he'll just use that same footage that he's shooting to show us the, the supposed camera footage in the control room. And it's cheap. You know, if you're going to see the footage in the control room, it's not a camera that's going to tilt and pan and be carefully framed floating in midair in front of them. Hunger Games, by the way, screwed this up a lot. You know, anytime we needed to see Katniss doing something in the woods, Gary Ross would just use whatever footage that he'd shot and he'd put it on a screen. And that's not the way that's that spy surveillance works um so there's a really cool movie <laughs> called and it's a nitpicky thing but there's a really cool movie called my little eye uh, that does a great job of not breaking that that conceit you know everything you see in my little eye is through these little surveillance cameras and if the camera is moving or panning or doing something there's a reason for it um uh, uh and it, yeah so I, I i do recommend that so there you go 
But you made me just think of the killing room too. It doesn't do those same things, but suddenly that sort of brought that to me. Wait, so Titanic uh, in 3D, they didn't have 3D cameras in 1912, so doesn't that kind of fuck up? Let's do a 3x3. Three, the three best things we liked about A Cabin in the Woods. <laughs> Kelly Wand, go. <laughs> Wait. Hey, Kelly Wand, you can just list Kristen Connolly three times. Go ahead. Uh, uh, uh. So actually, Kelly Wand, this is... this. Yeah. Take it. So this is your three by three. Uh, yeah. What do you have us doing this week? Three best uses of profanity, which I think we've already done. I know we did the F word, so I just tried to keep the F word out of mine. That was my criterion. The F but, word is profanity. Yep. <laughs> Thank you for that. Uh, <laughs> in, in some cultures. In some cultures, it's considered profane. Uh, in some, it's a compliment. It's a delicacy. Uh, here in Canada, it's a, uh, it's a rite of passage. All right, so Dingus, you are introducing next week's 3 by 3 so start us off. Ingus, how did you approach the fact that you were doing a three by three that we had already done once a second time? But awesome. I decided to leave the F word out of mine. Mm. Interesting. See, Dingus doesn't need to be supervised, unlike some people I could run from. Mr. <laughs> <laughs> non faked over here. Anyway, I thought you were talking about yourself. Oh, <laughs> I am. What? Wait, what are we talking about? Titanic still? Uh, Dingus, can you give us a line, maybe, from your, your number three pick? Three D. Sure. Um, you got leads. Mitch and Murray paid good money. Get their names to sell them. You can't close leads. You're given. You can't close shit. You are shit. Hit the bricks, pal, because you are going out. So that is uh, Alec Baldwin on an American Airlines flight being told to <laughs> turn off his BlackBerry. No, actually, that was him leaving a message for his daughter. <laughs> that stewardess was being a fat little pig, though. Wow, you guys are on tonight. Well done. Uh, all right, Dingus, obviously fond of the David Mamet dialogue, but Dingus, I'm sorry, that's a play, not a movie. Thank you for playing. Oh, it's except, also a documentary. Uh, uh, that scene is not in the play that was written just for the movie. Now, is that true, or are you just uh, griefing me? No, that is absolutely true. They wanted to uh, shoehorn Alec Baldwin in there, and so David Mamet wrote that scene just expressly for the movie. Wait a minute, hold on. In the play, nobody comes from Mitch and Murray and does that, that bit that Alec Baldwin did in the movie? That's not in the play? Well, I've never seen the play, so I don't know. <laughs> Wait, did you read this on Wikipedia? I think you're, oh, you're trolling God. us. You're trolling us just like Chris Pine did not play. He gives them the leads, though, so he can, he does play a plot point, so the fact that he wouldn't be in the play seems weird to me. But, yeah, I'm not sure I'm buying what Dingus is selling. He shows up and goes, these are the Glengarry leads. My watch costs more than your car. Right. These are the Glengarry Dingus. leads, and you can't get them. Hmm. Dingus is going to try and win the argument through impersonation. So, Tom, I'm not sure how to play this. I'm not an yeah, actor. I don't, I don't believe him for a second. I'm not falling for that for a second. I think this is just like his Babylon 5 ploy. I love that novel. You you, you tried to counter With an with, accent on the uh, Babel part. With uh, Armageddon. Good. Bring up Armageddon after I bring up Babylon 5. 
See, I'm he's again, trying to get me on his side. Yeah, uh, I just want to point out, Dingus, there is no Criterion Collection version of Babylon 5. I'm just going to leave it yet. at that. Not yet. Because it's, it's a novel. It's like a filmed wow, novel. Wow, Michael Bay bought off Criterion. Oh, my God. I can't believe he could afford it. Wow. <laughs> is there is there a Criterion version of The Rock? No, because it's a documentary. <laughs> All right, so Dingus, you're uh, uh, you're quite fond of Glengarry Glenn Ross, the uh, use of profanity in that. Now, just in that one line, or just in the movie in general? I love the way David Mamet uses profanity, but most often he's uh, he's employing the use of the f word, and um, I was trying to stay away from that, so I went with uh, I've got two two um, permutations of the word shit in my list, and this is the first one of those. Okay. And uh, I'm not really particularly fond of that word, but I like the way Alec Baldwin spits <laughs> it out. And, what do you have against shit? What the fuck? What's wrong with you? <laughs> fuck you, Dingus. You're a piece of exactly. shit. Exactly. Hey, there's also a, a cocksucker in there, but I prefer the, the shit. <laughs> well, what I almost did was just repeat my, my list of three favorite F words. Um, but there were some other uh, things I wanted to bring up. So, no, here's what I did. is I, I just maintain that... Nobody can swear like the English. Um, I, I think it takes – any any old person can drop an F-word or an S-bomb or whatever, and it's plenty crass, and sometimes it's funny. Yeah, whatever. But the English do it uh, with class. Uh, so my list are all instances of the English, and I am uh, – That's what Alexander s- Hamilton said. <laughs> well, now, was, did he use the F-bomb or the S-bomb? Uh, the F-bomb was Franklin. Very good. Uh, Well, my number three is uh, sort of an English version of Glengarry Glen Ross. Actually, not at all. Uh, It's just a lot of profanity in the script. Uh, And it's 44-inch chest, which was also one of my picks for best use of the F word. Uh, That movie is shot through with profanity, according to uh, IMDb, and you can trust that as far as you can throw it. Uh, There are 162 instances of the F word in that movie. Uh, and as a matter of fact, I think Ray Winstone uh, actually has said that they were excluded from maybe the BAFTA Awards or something uh, because of that. I, I don't know, but there, there's apparently some bad blood about uh, they weren't recognized because there's too much profanity. But more power to 45. Fuck you, BAFTA. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so that's my number three pick is the whole of 44-inch chest, not just any particular line, just the whole shebang the full monty entire movie because i have to write down what you guys say well before you do that kelly one what's your number three pick and then you can transcribe your notes oh uh my number three is uh in the exorcist one when um linda blair told father karis that his mother sucks cocks in hell because i like that a it was spooky and b you get to find out the fate of that character the mom so I liked that. Sort so you actually took double. the demon at his word. <laughs> yeah. Why would she lie? She's obviously privy to afterlife gossip. And, you know, she. I there was something about her in life that suggested, to me anyway, I don't know. There's not much. She was past the age where you can do other occupations in hell. 
All right, Dingus, what is your number two? What, what do you have to top that? All right, I, I agree with Tom that the, uh, what did you say, the English or the British or the UK-ish? How did you put it? Anyone who worships the Queen, pretty much, and has an accent. Canadian. Oh. I don't know about hey, Canadians. No. I get Victoria Day off next month. I'm totally they have sure. to take an oath to the Queen. Okay, you know, you know what? It's anybody who has, because they have American accents pretty much. It's anybody who has an English or Australian uh, or New Zealand accent. All right, from, so for my two and one, both of both of those things apply. I actually thought about 44-inch chest for a while, but I, but this is my number two. Here's a, here's a line from it. Right. How should I know where we are? I feel like a pig shat in my head. Hmm. <laughs> and they write this down. Yeah. Uh, now the th- that's one of the that's kind of isn't that minor with nail? Uh, I think it is, but my favorite with nail has the f word in it. But I so oh. love the word shat. Um, I was first introduced to it by one Stephen King when I read the book Cujo, because. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> the, there's this, this guy who finds this huge pile of dog shat uh, in in his garage, I think, and 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 he makes a point of talking about the word shat, and I I hadn't really been exposed to the word shat before, and it, it I just thought about that moment where uh, Richard E. Grant is freaking out in the car and he says, "I feel like a pig shat in my head." I, I just love that version of the word shit. So what you're they saying? Do that. Go ahead, Gail. Mine's dumb. <laughs> Mine's pretty dumb, too. Mm. <laughs> let's right, have a contest. We're both let's have a demo. Deliver. All right, let's yeah, see. We'll both Dingus. deliver a response. Dingus, you judge who's his dumbest. So, Kelly Wan, you go first. Okay, I predict I will win. Okay, hey, Dingus, was that line in Cujo the movie, too? You <laughs> might win. So, Dingus, what you're saying is that Stephen King expanded your capacity to appreciate with Nail and I. Oh. All right, so, Dingus, whose comment was dumbest? Oh, that's unfortunate. I'm afraid it's Kelly's just... is dumbest because, Tom, you just blew my mind. <laughs> you, you, I think you shat in my head. So wait a minute. I think that means you won. Ah, uh, you're a pig. Yeah, but right. you're a pig, according to Dingus. All right, Alec Baldwin. Uh, there's, there's plenty to go with He's in good. With Nail and I, but I, I, uh, in looking through all the quotes and watching some scenes from it this week, um, because, again, my favorite yes. one is, is, is the F word, that shat one made me very happy. All right. You guys watch it every week, huh? Just about. It's, it's understandable. Uh, okay, mine is, uh, I'll give you a line. Um, and it's actually, you know, it's this specific line. I mean, there's a fair amount of uh, British cussing in this movie, but this is the line that I really liked. Uh, it's an actor who's not normally funny, but this is a very funny line. You effing retract that bit about my C effing kids. But you have to imagine I'm actually saying the words, furthermore, that I'm saying them with an English accent. It's well, I would, I would have said it with an Irish accent, and I would go with the line before that, because that's my number one. What is the line before? Oh, where he calls them C's. You no, know, where, where he says, Harry, let's face it, and I'm not being funny. I mean, no disrespect, but you're a C. You're a C now, and you've always been a C. The only thing that's going on is you're going to be a bigger C. Maybe you have some more C kids. Right, <laughs> and then you effing. But come on, his response, uh, Ray Fine's response. Well, I love his response, but I left out the F word. <laughs> All right, good point, good point. Wait, so this is from X-Men? <laughs> Go ahead, Tom. <laughs> so uh, I actually, I, this is something that I have a hard time remembering. The word Bruges only has one G. I'm constantly wanting to spell it with two Gs. Uh, it's in Bruges, Kelly Wand, starring Colin uh, Farrell. 
Brendan Gleeson and uh, Ray Fiennes. I haven't seen that. I don't believe you. Have you really not seen In Bruges? Kelly, when sometimes yeah. I'm envious of how many great movies you have yet to see. <laughs> Thank you. Well, Kelly, what is your number two choice for uh, your favorite instance of profanity? I don't see movies with the geography in the title <laughs> that I can't pronounce. <laughs> and looks like it should have two G's, obviously. What the hell kind of... What are you talking about? Two G's in Bruges. It's, I don't know, it's Flemish or something. That's crazy. Yeah. Flemish. <laughs> it's in, don't make up words. <laughs> My number two disenchantment of profanity in a movie is from the motion picture Gone with the Wind in which Clark Gable says quite frankly my dear I don't give a damn does he really say quite frankly no (laughs) (laughs) pwned I mean that sounds a little like uh, a little mincy I don't know maybe that is the way he talked in that movie but I quite frankly my dear isn't that how people corrupt it though yeah. Like play it again, Sam's not in. Kevin hey, when you're just you're just pandering to you're doing the same thing Dingus does when he puts like Citizen Kane on a three by three. I don't believe either of you has ever seen Citizen Kane or Gone with the Wind. You're just pandering to film students and 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 eighty year old men. Yeah, Gone with the Wind's so hard to watch. That's oh, so boring. <laughs> She's not hot at all. What? Wait a minute. Is that true? Is the woman who's in Gone with the Wind hot? Yeah. Come on. Are you serious? That. No, yeah. they weren't. They weren't ever stopped in. Really? What? Yeah, no, it's a good movie. You, I thought you'd seen it. Don't be racist. I'm sure I did when I was like a kid or something, but you get to see it's like the Schindler's List of the Civil War because you get to see how the other half fought. I know she like has to eat potatoes or something. Nah, she has to eat one, and then she's like, fuck this. That's not the actual line, but... Uh, who is... It's not Judy Garland. Who's the woman in that? There's some she famous the, actress. the 1939 equivalent of that. Uh, Vivian Lee. Vivian Lee, right. right. Oh, Rhett. she's the mother of the psycho chick, right? Janet what? Lee? No? Oh, I don't know. Isn't Janet Lee the woman that gets killed in Psycho? Yeah, yeah. but she's not... Her the actress psychotic. It was the character in the movie who killed her. She's got to be. I'm just assuming that since they have the same last name, that like, um, what are those women's names? That uh, they're a bunch they of Redgrave chicks or Hepburns, Redgraves, yeah. all of those, aren't they? And, uh, yeah. Wait, uh, wait, which one are we Lord. talking about? Oh, Vivian Lee. Barrymore. Wait, wait a minute. She was married to. Hold on, Dingus. What did you say? She was married to Lawrence Olivier? Yep. She was yeah, she was. Wait, I'm. I, I, does that mean? Hold on. Does that mean Lawrence Olivier was not gay? No. Why would he be gay? Ah, he was well, I'm assuming, I don't know. Maybe it's just because he was British. Um, wow. I always assumed. You know what? I know Lawrence Olivier. He's that. He's that guy from Marathon Man, right? Yeah. He's the dentist. Yeah. All right. You know what? I'm just. I'm assuming British gay. I. I don't know. I'm. Just, that's bigoted of me. But I. I did not know he was married to a woman. Uh, but good for him. That's he quite was a married. He was. Uh, he also had a thing with Marilyn. He offended. All the gay people. How dare you think I sound British? Uh, wait a minute. Hold on, Dingus. I cannot picture in my head that old guy from Marathon Man with Marilyn Monroe. I just refuse to believe any such thing ever happened. I will believe anything you tell me about Babylon 5 before I will believe that. Huh. Can you imagine Arthur Miller with her? Can, I don't Colonel know. Colonel Adama was with Marilyn Monroe, too. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Edward James Olmos. 
Uh, all right, Dingus. Speaking of... Uh, wait, wait. I didn't, oh, you yes? didn't ask me why it's my second favorite profanity. Oh, I'm assuming because Vivian Lee is Just because I... No. Oh. That, she's not saying the line. What the... You don't Quite understand frankly, how that works. <laughs> I don't give it no. no uh, Kelly Wand, why is it your favorite instance of... Prof- your second favorite instance Because he's discovered the key to inner peace, which is not giving a damn about what the manipulative uh, plantation bell wants. You just leave. It's a win-win. Because you're so even more married to it. It's a sort of a what? Buddhist approach to the battle of the yeah. sex, you're saying. Yeah, which is good. It's uh, it's good advice. All right. Sounds kind of like uh, the... God! Fountain. The fountain. <laughs> God! Right, God! Dingus, what is the number one pick God! or favorite God. profanity? In, in oh, sorry, I, I already said it, it was... Uh, I, when I was stepping on your discussion of Ray Fiennes, it's, it's Brendan Gleeson in that very moment. Oh, that is your number one. Oh. Yeah, my number one is the that in Bruges scene. I love. Um, I don't feel comfortable saying the c word, even though I love to say it. You're not British. I don't right. feel comfortable being uh, being. Uh, yeah, the way they say it, it. Uh, I Let's you see. know, just watching that scene, it's so great. It's such a great scene, and and listening to Brendan Gleeson say that in that little mini monologue or his line to Ray Fiennes, you know, Henry. Let's face it, I'm not being funny. I mean, no disrespect, but you're, you know, he just goes through it and he says that word several times. And I love that profanity. I love how they use it and how he uses it. And, and, and the fact that your, your choice, which is perfectly cromulent, um, Ray Fines adds the word fucking to it. <laughs> it's not something Brendan Gleason says. And, and the look on Ray Fines' face. <laughs> You take that back, and then and of course he goes. I, I, I took it back. You know, I, I, I love that. I love that exchange. So, so my choice is the moment before your choice. Good. All right. So we're in accord. Yeah. Uh, and actually, by the way, Dingus, I was I I'm not as impressed now that you knew when you just rattled off that Brendan Gleeson line. I was like, damn, Dingus is good. But you yeah. knew it because you had looked it up for your number one. So exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So sorry, I'm not as impressed. Normally, you're you're really good with that sort of thing, but uh, oh, I never look mine up. I think that's cheating. Quite what? frankly, <laughs> that's how you end up with things like "quite frankly, my yeah, dear." That's true. I don't. There is it is a double edged sword. I have integrity, but I mangled wine, so I probably should. Kelly, what movie is this from? Please play that song again, Sam. <laughs> All right, my number one. Tiki uh, tiki tiki. Speaking by. <laughs> tiki. What movie is that from? Quantiki? What'd you say last week to me? Yoda tickles balls. What was it? <laughs> so, what line's this from, Tom? We're going to need a bigger boat. <laughs> Kaliwan did get that one right. Or no, wait, no, I think it was Dingus that got that one. May the by the way, my no- remain with you. Here, by the way, is Kelly Wand. Another example. My number one pick is another line that you have screwed up to great comedic effect. And oh, I think. Well, yeah, I think once again you should you should be called out on this early and often, Kelly Wand. So, Dingus, go ahead and guess. Let's no, hear. Let's, okay, well, the, I, want, the, I want you to do it. This is this is the one where Cathcart uh, won, I think. Yeah, well, I'm not going to actually say the line, but again, you have to imagine imagine, and and he's not British, oh, yeah, by the way. Yeah, he's he's Scottish. Uh, you have to imagine Peter Capaldi from the movie In the Loop saying, "Okay, yeah. effity bye," uh, and Kelly Wand's. Your, Kelly Wand, your version of it was effity bye-bye. <laughs> effity bye-bye now or something really dumb. Yeah, okay, effity bye-bye now. 
Uh, I just love the uh, the fury of Peter Capaldi's profanity, and uh, it began in a series that Armando Iannucci did on BBC called Dadgummit. What was that thing called? The movie was in the loop, but Think uh, of it. Thick of it. Thank you, Dingus. Oh, good lord. Uh, called the Thick of it. It was a, a mini series about a, a minister's office in England. Uh, they then did a, a movie about the invasion of Iraq called In the Loop. Uh, and Peter Capaldi was pretty much the only character who played the, the same character in both uh, the TV show and the movie. Uh, and he just has this incredible Scottish fluency with profanity. Uh, and I, I love that. So, uh, okay, fuckity bye is my, my number one choice for favorite profanity. I wanted to watch that this week because I'm sure he's got some great other ones that aren't F. Like, like, doesn't he do some C stuff in there? Oh, good lord. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Oh, I, love he, the way, I love the way that guy uses profanity. That's and he rolls out, he rolls out that C word when an American tells him to stop swearing so much. I mean, he's on the cell phone when he's outdoors <laughs> and there's the typical <laughs> ugly fat American who's like, hey, pet fella, watch the profanity. And I'm pretty sure Peter Capaldi rolls out a C word at that point. Yeah. Uh, Some Canadians are fat too. All right, Kelly One, what is your number one choice for favorite profanity? I like in, uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark number two, where um, he's on the bridge and he goes, "Oh shit!" because he's like too tired to think of anything else. Like, uh, Indiana uh, Jones can't say that. What do you, Kelly Wan? That's crazy talk. Indiana Jones can't kill people or cuss or drink or fornicate. Fornicate? <laughs> Who says fornicate? <laughs> Is that the f word you were talking about? <laughs> fornicate bye. <laughs> Yeah, you're right. Oh, wait a minute. So Indiana Jones does drop an S-bomb in Raiders of the Lost Ark. Is that right? Yeah, on the bridge. Good. Because he's just like, ugh. What a dumb movie I'm in. Wait, you're talking about the bridge, so you must be talking about the second movie. Are you talking about that rope bridge? Yeah. I didn't mean to imply the movie's dumb. I just meant the character's going... He's just kind of burned out on it. Because it's all been one day. He's like, fucking been poisoned. It's fucking alligators fucking mine cars so those are all lines from the movie too but then it's <laughs> yeah it's one last fucking to the shit ah fucking shit and, and you know what i heard kelly Wan is that harrison ford improvised that yeah because he had the trots no no in empire strikes back when she goes i love you he goes fucking shit <laughs> And they dubbed it digitally <laughs> in the re-release. Yeah, because he had Tourette's in that movie. <laughs> Lucas is going to change that. It was stormtrooper hitting his head, like in the middle of the shot, so you can't see. So uh, runners up before we veer off into a Star Wars conversation, which you know I can talk about that till the cows come home. But you um, only peel off from Red Leader into a Star Wars conversation. <laughs> I'm going in, Kelly Wand. Uh, what runners up do you guys have? Anything? No, I, um, I just wanted to get this over with. Oh, uh, the the only runner up I had was uh, bridesmaids when. Um, oh, I like Kristen, this already. When Kristen Wiig is in her uh, jewelry store and the little girl, the not the uh-huh. little girl, but the teenagers talking to her and and showing her up, and she says, uh, "You're you're a little C." Uh, I I like that dingus, uh, but I immediately when I think of Kristen Wiig cussing, I immediately go to one of your favorite movies, MacGruber. Where she has to muster up the gumption, say uh, butthole. That's not swearing. It, it is. That's a cuss word. <laughs> butthole. That's swearing. total swearing. Oh my! My kid can said say that. that. He did. 
Yeah, unfortunately. Cause, In what uh, reference? Because he was watching to? MacGruber, and he's quoting lines from MacGruber. Is that right, Dingus? We took him to a retrospective of MacGruber, and um, yeah, it's <laughs> I just a want child's to say, MacGruber. No, because because uh, we were oh, talking about oh, this is awful. We were talking about pet names for a, a recent pet we're going to get, and and he was brainstorming them with his mom. And one of the pet names he thought of, he was he's really into the planets, and he thought of Uranus, and uh, and she had to tell him what anus meant, and um, it's that why, uh, that conversation. Wait a <laughs> because, minute, why did she? I don't, understand. I don't want to name a dog Uranus, and and then the next day when I was talking to him, he goes, "I know what anus means," and then he said "butthole." But she had told him, uh, she told him a gentler way of saying that, but he went ahead and translated it. I think he's ready, Dingus, to watch the jerk now, considering what names are being floated for that dog. Tell him it's yeah, also a-, a gas giant. You might want to know that. <laughs> he knows. Uh, I have a not really a runner-up. I was almost going to put this on my list. Um, there was some discussion about whether or not we would see this movie next week. Fortunately, we are not going to. I'm going to spare you guys. Uh, you guys have dodged that bullet. But in the movie Lockout, uh, which is Guy Pierce rescuing the president's daughter from space prison, where she gets taken hostage, uh, and he goes in. He's kind of like a snake. It's not funny, Dingus. This is a serious <laughs> script. This is a I script. Just, I can hear the dialogue in my head. I can hear people in earnest. You know, get her out of there. And oh man, so you've seen it? <laughs> <laughs> no. So okay, so he has to go rescue her from space prison, and he's got all these um, like doodads that he uses to kill the space prisoners, and he mainly just uses like a shotgun or whatever's handy, or he punches them. But there's one point where uh, the uh, the president's daughter is sealed in an airtight compartment. Um, and she's going to run out of air and suffocate. And the prisoners really want to get in there and get her because they need her for the hostage. They need her as a hostage. Um, whereas Snake Plissken, played by Guy Pierce, uh, has to cut through uh, a hole and he has to get out there. He has to get in there and rescue her before they get in. And it's like a race against time. Plus, her oxygen is running out. She's going to suffocate. Um, so one of the cool things in the movie. And just this is an example of something that should have been cool, and instead they totally screw up. Is she is trapped in there with her loyal Secret Service uh, bodyguard, whose name is Hawk, by the way. Uh, shut up, Dingus! It's not funny. That's the name they gave him. It's serious. Hawk. Don't laugh. So Wait, Hawk. What's that? Yeah. What's well, his Why? name? Because his name's like John Hawk or what? I don't know. Oh, hey, that's it. No, I don't want to call it. His name is like Phil Hawk. We'll call him that. Uh, it's his last name, Hawk. I don't know, maybe it's his code name. But anyway, so her faithful Secret Service agent is in there with her, and and they know they're going to run out of air. Like, at one point, he's like, okay, this chamber's going to fill up with nitrogen. It's it's heavier, it's lighter than oxygen, so stay low to the floor, take shallow breaths, stay alive as long as you can. He pulls out his gun, and he shoots himself. Uh, Now, that's kind of a cool scene, but the narrators, because, again, we have people in the control room. uh, Peter Stormari, by the way, is the guy in the control room watching all this. Then point out (laughs) that what he did by doing that was he bought her an extra minute. (laughs) He added he added he he waited so long to shoot himself that he only gave her 60 seconds of extra. Like if he'd shot himself earlier, she could have lived longer. Like, he did his stupid sacrifice, and the, the, the script is so clumsy that they only eke a minute out of his sacrifice. Like, that would have been a cool thing. Maybe he should have thought of that a little earlier. Um, Wait, why didn't he do it earlier again? There's no reason for that, because the movie is stupid. That's why. I thought he had to give a speech or something. Like, hey, I'm going to really miss you. This is uh, No, it's just a quick, short, yeah. Hawk is no nonsense. 
Uh, oh. So, but anyway, that's not it's even out of character. Uh, it's, the movie has no character. It, it would be out of character if the movie had any sense of character. It doesn't. You know, by the way, the, uh, the president's that's, daughter is, is uh, Maggie Smith, or no, um, Grace? Maggie Grace. Maggie Grace. Oh. Wait. Oh, yeah. God, why do you say that? She's awful, Kelly Wand. Oh, look at her. <laughs> She's awful. <laughs> I looked at her for two seasons of Lost, and uh, no, she's terrible. I could look at her forever. What are you talking about? Well, you know what? You should uh, buy a copy of Lockout and put it on Infinite Loop, and you could do that. So there you What's go. What's she doing? It? I mean, is it good for that kind of life? You know what? They uh, So at one point, they have to make her look butch and tough. Like, they have to disguise uh-huh. her as a prisoner. <laughs> so Guy well, Pierce, casting, yeah. he knows enough about uh, hairstyling that he mixes together uh, coffee, motor oil. What else does he put in it? And it's one <laughs> other ingredient. Because he, he decorated cakes, didn't he? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I was gonna make that joke, but she, she's blonde, so he dyes her hair black and he cuts it really short to make it butch, and then he puts her in like some baggy overalls and a cap, and then he says, "Wait, it needs one more thing," and he punches her in the face, uh. <laughs> and so she got a big old bruise on her lip, and he's like, "Now you look tough." Uh, so, so he dyes her blonde. Does he say, "Are you going gray?" Ah, very good. What is that from? Uh. <laughs> I didn't see that in. That would be uh, a movie where a girl dyes her hair blonde before. The- oh, oh, good lord! Yeah, okay. Sorry, spoiler. Cabin in the Street. Anyway, oh. the the profanity use that I, I was going to tell you about. So, uh, Snake Plissken barely gets her out of the little oxygen deprived area just in time, right before the prisoners break in to to uh, to recapture her. So they break in, and there's a hole in the wall where he is absconded with her, and they've gotten away. And one of the bad guys pokes up in the hole with, like, a shotgun or something, and a little object falls out. And he picks it up, and it's a little bomb that has a light on it that says, voice activated. (laughs) And he says, oh, shit. And then it blows up. What? (laughs) No. Yep. There's a room full of dudes there. He picks it up and says, oh, shit. And it's a light, and it clearly shows him reading the little light that says voice activated. <laughs> Wait a minute. I don't even understand what the writer was doing there. I have another one. I have another one like that. So it could have said, oh, shit, in quotes, too. That would have been my... <laughs> That's like a diehard meeting. Uh, at another point, sure. uh, they're escaping through these ducts, and they crawl up through a duct in the ceiling. And Guy Pierce, whatever he does, he takes the time to set up at the end of a duct some kind of like laser gun. It's like a it's like a mine that fires a gun down a laser. Um, so that some, when somebody trips the laser, it fires it up. It's like a laser trip mine. You know, we've all seen those in video games. And but the setup for the bad guy tripping it is the bad guy sticks his head up in the duct and the laser is right on his forehead. And in front of him is one of those little objects where, again, it says voice activated. You know, there's a light that says voice activated. So the guy sticks his head up to where the laser's on his forehead and he sees the little thing that says voice activated. And he goes, oh, shit. And then the thing <laughs> through the head. Wait, what? By the way, exactly. Why wouldn't why the laser quiet? just trigger off the shot anyway? Uh, why does it need a fail-safe where the bad guy has to actually say, you know, a word to activate the bomb? Wait, why is it always the same word that it gets to the guard? You know what? I think one of them actually dropped an F-bomb and another one dropped an S-bomb. 
So I think it works. It's just as long as somebody speaks. Like, ideally, you find one of those and you don't say anything. You just go, you know, you just keep it down and it won't go off. You say it mentally. Oh, shit. Exactly, right. It's you have an inner dialogue with yourself. That's part of your training in boot camp, I would think. Don't say, oh, shit, when the voice activated (laughs) grenade land. That's what they teach you in Afghanistan or Pakistan. If you're you're writing that, then you... If you yeah. have the character just go, voice activated. They've never seen those before. I guess they're not really good guards. <laughs> well, they're prison. And, and it, it works every time Guy Pierce tries it. Like, hey, yeah. I'll do the oh shit grenade on him. <laughs> Absolutely. Yep. They That's can't right. stop. It's too addictive. Yeah, the first word, word of. Say what you uh, see. Um, hey, is it? <laughs> voice activated. It has to say that, too. It's, it tells you in print that it's voice activated. Wait, now can we do? I want to do all synopsis of this movie. You're, you're totally fucking this up. Go ahead and see it. I dare you. See lockout. Knock yourself out. But you're making this. it sound funny. Uh, it, no, it's stupid. Uh, you know, there's yeah, more... but it sounds like it almost knows it's stupid. This will hurt you. <laughs> Uh, I will say one good thing about it is that Guy Pierce makes a, makes a pretty awesome action hero. Like he's got the physicality down, and he's got you know the dialogue is just really stupid, but he's just real fluid with it. Uh, he he's way sexier than Maggie Grace in this, by the way, Kelly Wand. Oh. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, someone needs to put him in a good action movie because he belongs in one. That's the sense I got from Lockout. But otherwise, Time Machine was good. Oh, maybe I should see that. Good call. Maybe you should. <laughs> maybe I will. <laughs> so Kelly Wand, I just want to, in, in case you still have this thing for Maggie Grace, so I think this yeah. is on uh, Rotten Tomatoes or on one of those little websites. They'll periodically, when when an actor or actress is doing a, a press junket for a new release, they'll ask them, "Hey, what are your five favorite films?" So Maggie yeah. Grace, uh, yeah. they did, you know, she's doing the the press junkets for Lockout. Here's her response when she is asked about her five favorite films. I'm going to read you this quote. Uh-huh. Maggie Grace says, quote, I think when you ask for favorite films, you're really asking favorite films at 15. You know what I'm saying? Formative favorite films. I don't think they really change much. You sort of can't argue with your inner 13-year-old that watched something 25,000 times. Now, I'll see something as an adult and be affected by it, like A Separation, which I saw and I loved, but it's going to be hard to top those 25,000 viewings when you were 13. You get past pubescence, and it's cooked. Put a fork in it. Your favorite films is done. <laughs> That's a quote. Your favorite what's, films is done. <laughs> wait, what's the 25,000 viewings? Well, she mentions uh, When Harry Met Sally. Uh, <laughs> That's one of her top five. Uh, English Patient. You separation. I know, yeah. English, she right. made me like English Patient, patient less by mentioning oh. that. So, yeah. Uh, nah, you know what? That was probably fed her by her agent. Uh, the Zeffirelli, Romeo and Juliet. Does that do anything for you, Kelly Rond? Mm, she appreciate nope. that? I, I think she it. said, she probably said the DiCaprio one, and then the writer went, oh, Well, that, no, no, it is funny. The interviewer is like, well, wait, shouldn't you have watched that? Uh, oh. <laughs> At 15. When were you 15? <laughs> and then she's 13. She, uh, so Kelly Wand, nothing's you... more important than the movies you see at 15 because you can't stop your inner 13 year old from babbling. <laughs> 25,000 times. I think 25, that question that question was voice activated. <laughs> it had more math in it than a Metacritic Rotten Tomatoes uh, debate. All right, so Kelly Wan, go see Lockout, but for next week's podcast, let's do something a little different. You guys ready for this? Oh, uh, no, no, wait, wait. We need a three-by-three three for next week. Dingus, what do you have for us? What are we going to do next week? 
All right, this is a little weird. I'm going to burn one I really, really like, but I, I want to explain what I'm going for here. Uh, so last last week I talked about uh, uh, seeing uh, you know Tom's Tom's um, Tom's three by three from last week was uh, jump scares and one of the jump scares I had was from a movie called Joshua and uh, the one I didn't use that I thought was an unfair jump scare was a refrigerator door scare and that's when the character is getting something out of the refrigerator and then closes the door and there's somebody there. And so what happens... Dingus, can I interrupt you real quick? Yeah. So hold that thought. There's a point, there's a point in Lockout where, <laughs> where Snake Plissken and the president's daughter, they crawl out of a duct and they, they go into a room and they check to make sure it's safe. And then Snake Plissken turns around to say something to her and, uh, and he hears behind him like a noise, like somebody say freeze, and the camera moves. You know, it's a shot of Guy Pierce, and the camera, and this is like a refrigerator door scare in a way, but the camera sort of pans to the left just like a few inches, and you can see a row of <laughs> five dudes in a perfect row that had been previously obscured by Guy Pierce's body. You know, the camera can't see them, but they're just standing in the room in like a chorus line. I mean, they're just in a straight line pointing guns down each other, like right over each other's shoulder at him. And the only reason he didn't see them was because the camera camera. was hiding them from the audience. Right. So that just made me think of a refrigerator door scare. I'm sorry, Dingus. That was I just he was doing interference for the cameraman. Exactly right. And the audience. Yeah. But wait, why do they say freeze instead of shooting um, pass. Because it's voice activated. <laughs> yeah, it's voice activated. <laughs> yeah. So I'm sorry. So Dingus, you mentioned uh, Joshua had a, a refrigerator scare. I'm sorry. That was well, you. Just your your explanation of that just made me love uh, the cabin in the woods. Because uh, I, I think that this movie understood that. That. Yeah. Anyway, so uh, so um, Vera Famiga closes the refrigerator door, and there's there's creepy son. Ah. And she drops this glass that she's holding, and the glass shatters on the floor. And she stands there talking for a minute, and then the camera shows a close-up of one of the shards of glass poking up on the floor. And she's standing there, because it's the middle of the night, she's standing there in her bare feet. Oh, God. And she steps onto that shard of glass. And you see that whole thing happen. So this this week's three by three is your favorite. I'm going to call them oogie moments, physical oogie moments. Those moments where something physical happens that made you shudder or almost even throw up or just freak out. Where something physical happened, if you can imagine that foot going down on that shard of glass. So there you go. Your favorite oogie moments. I like that. It's a great one. Thing has already that. already made me suck the air through my teeth many times. That one. There you go. Wait, you have a fear of stepping on glass or of dingus? <laughs> dingus talking about stepping on glass. What's a twenty-one jump scare? <laughs> <laughs> Hold on, let me cue up the Britney Spears. Okay, say that again, Kelly. One. No. Uh, okay, so that's our three by three next week. We are not going to see Lockout. Uh, I know Kelly Wan really wanted to see it. Kelly Wan, you're still welcome to see it. I'm sure it's playing up there in, in fine Canadian uh, theaters. But instead, next week we're going to play something. We're going to see something that's not in theaters. It'll be out on DVD next week. It's currently on pay per view. Uh, a Mark Wahlberg movie called Contagion. Or no, good lord. <laughs> 
contraband. Contagion. It's another, it's another C word. <laughs> like Wahlberg would. Wahlberg, Matt Damon, you know, this thing. C word. Always come with the C words. Uh, we're going to see contraband. Uh, join us for that. Um, and join us the for contrabands. the contrabands. No, no, not the contrabands. It's just one contraband, and there's oh. no article. It's just straight up contraband. Look for it under Amazon.com under the seas. Uh, not the contraband. Not a contraband. Not the contrabands. Just contraband. Uh, join us for that, and join us for Dingus's three by three of things that made us oogie. Not sure how to spell that. We'll figure that out next week. Uh, I am Tom Chick. I have been joined by. Christian, oh God, um, Mertinowski. It's Christian Murawski. And Kelly Wand. I miss my sleigh, Rosebud. You amaze me. He ate my heart. 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 He I could have almost been a contender. Huh, guys? Remember that famous line? Good work, zombie arm.